Hello, everybody. We're doing a mailbag episode. Hi. Yay! Mailbags. I love mailbags. As always, I'm your Dungeon Master, Matthew, but today we're just being our regular old selves and answering a bunch of fan questions that have been sent through to the Derby Dragons podcast mail address. Sure. Um, let's get... Which we have. Which we have. Do. Absolutely. And if you would like to ask a question of the cast, feel free to do so on Podcast at gmail.com and just use the message line mailbag episode. So this one comes from Alana, who I'm assuming is in the United States because of the way that they spelt certain words. Sure. Uh, Wrong, you mean. Wrong, yeah. <laughs> Well... Yeah, let's alienate Alana yeah. right off the bat. Take Fuck that, you, Alana. Alana. Thank you for your support. But you take and your that. dumb way. Go and talk to your mom. Um, so there was a little bit of a preamble, which was a very lovely message of support, which I won't read out because I don't what? want to embarrass Fuck him. No, that's the whole point. I want to get praise, Matthew. It was basically, I really like you guys. Thank you so much. For, oh, look, I'll just read, read it. Like, it. Please do. Read it. Um, I love the podcast. The world is really interesting. I really love the characters, and I've recommended it to my friends. Yeah. Thanks, so, Alana. Thanks, I recommend Alana. Alana to my friends. Yes. I, ten, no, out ten, ten out of ten humans. podcasters recommend ten Alana. Ten out of ten human. Um, okay, so the question is, um, oh, actually, sorry, there's a little bit more for that. Because there's a great feeling from listening to you guys playing together, and I just had to share it. Aww. I really like Alana because of her name, because Alana was a main character from the Tomorrow Pierce series, and I really loved those. Yes. Uh, so I love yes. Alana Morissette. Oh, and that's a different name. That's I a different know. name. Yeah. No, I, with her her I, no, I like I Alana Morissette. Morris. Fuck all of you. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we will eventually anyway, get, get to, to the, the question. fucking question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so my question for the podcast is this. You're all clearly having a lot of fun playing and you can tell. We're drunk. That's why. Yes. <laughs> all of your characters are really unique. So I'm curious to know what the character creation process was for them. Oh, oh okay. Can I answer this first? If you'd like, go for it. So... This was the second ever game of D&D that I played and Matt asked me to come up with two characters so we could workshop it and figure out which character we wanted to play. Uh, my first ever character was from a Pathfinder game that I played um, where I was literally drunk dwarf barbarian and I was like, fuck yeah, let's go walk around, tank shit, hit shit, really easy to play. Then Matt was like, come up with a second one and I leaned back into all of my old um, drama school stuff when I did drama in high school. Um, you never told always, me you did this. Always, yeah, always... Um, would go the emo kid. I was just like, it's really easy to act depressed. I can be a bard. I can make scary, like, aggressive yet sad music. Um, and then it just morphed into more and more things. And I was like, well, I'm playing that one now. It's way more interesting than a drunk idiot. I mean, yeah, look, um, you touched a little bit on the process that I've instigated, which I did for this, which was uh, basically I, I, when we got the cast together, I asked everyone to make two potential characters. Uh, I gave them some information about the world. Um, it was drips and drabs for a bit because I was still developing certain components of it. But Matt's drips and drabs are pages of information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he says drips and drabs, it's not drips and drabs. Okay, well, it was uh, good. It was very useful. Sure. Very, like, <laughs> You're very thorough. It basically it just tells you exactly how much work Matt does on the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. behind yeah. the scenes. But it was basically the halflings are super paragraph. religious. Super re- halflings are super religious and organised, so I'm like, I'm going to do the opposite of that. Yeah. And I went, that's, that's really my interesting. Character. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so... The, that the, was prior to rolling up as well. Yes, mm. um, because we didn't do, like, I've kind of got flip-flopped on standard array over the years, um, which is, you know, your, your 8 to, I think it's 16 mm-hmm. stat, yeah, stat spread. Um, I don't have a, I don't dislike that, but I do think that um, rolling, you know, your, your 3d6 or 46 take the lo- take get rid of the lowest whatever the the process that you do that is interesting to create really like varied yeah character stat blocks um 
So, like, we we went through the dice roll process rather than using the standard array. But the the thing that was really important to me was to kind of get a really cohesive idea of the character. Um, and when developing the characters for this game, I, I really made sure that when I was talking to everyone that I kind of went... I, I tried to create the process of, of not being like a no, I don't want you to do this, but more going, have you considered this? Yeah. And then working with you guys on that. But um, anyway, that's enough about the actual process from the DM's perspective. I'm really curious to know about the people who made the characters. See, I'm trying valiantly to remember who my second character was. Yeah, I can't remember at all. I can't remember at all. Uh, your character was a person called Ix, who was a tiefling who was going to be a cleric from oh, the Unholy right. Empire. Uh, yours was a, um, a human woman, I forget her name specifically, but she was going to be a, I believe she was going to be a forge cleric as well. Um, I think she was uh, someone who'd basically been a blacksmith through her life and then had decided to leave uh, her town for some reason. Like, I'll still have the write-up somewhere. Yeah. I, I, I don't actually remember what your other character I remember was. what mine was because I, yeah. I, yeah um, so I, I approached it kind of like from a writing perspective and I wrote kind of like quite detailed stories yeah uh, detailed but short stories on like what their history was um so my other character was a human woman as well and she had been in the service of i think one god and she was like a healer or something and she like went around with her family and they were just like a little family unit and then her family got like slaughtered and i think she either switched gods or became a religious complete no she was i think focused on like I think she switched like the revenge god, whoever that is. Oh, the fury, the, the, the darker fury, side. Of yeah. Fury. Yeah, yeah, and she was just like, "I'm gonna find them and kill them." Imagine and them. that was her story. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So I kind of like wrote that, wrote up the stories. Um, was was yeah. Charlie your other one? No, no, no. So yeah, Clarence was obviously my first one, um, and that R. was R. just Clarence. <clears throat> yeah, Clarence was my first one. He was. Essentially, like, I wanted an old cleric that was sort of could, going into it. It was like, oh, everyone's going to be really quite new at the table. And mm. I've been playing D&D for a long time. And so it was like, how do I do that in a character of, like, oh, a bunch of sort of newer adventurers and this old guy who's been adventuring for... Way like, too long. He was, he was at least 300 years old, so he'd been doing it for a few hundred years and had seen everything that, you know, new adventurers do, all the mistakes, all the dumb decisions. <laughs> um, Didn't see any more with us, though. He dodged that bullet completely. Yeah. It's the only thing he dodged. But, um. Um, and, but my second character was a half-orc paladin. Oh. Um, who... It's cool. Good combo. He was essentially from past the dwarven walls. Like, the he was yeah, a yeah. plainsman. Um, but because he was a half-orc, the orcs didn't want anything to do with him and they would hunt them down. And then the human settlements were the same thing. Um, and he fled with his small tribe when the orcs got a new leader and they're like, nah, we're getting rid of all of these half-orcs, not having it. Um, and he, essentially everyone in his tribe got captured or killed except for him and, a, like, his childhood friend. But they got split up and he didn't know what happened to her, but he managed to just get through um, and sort of got in past the walls and found, like, an old shack 
that was in disrepair. And so he sort of hid in there. But while he was living there, sort of cleaned up the place and tended to the gardens. And one of the old hedge knights from the journeyman came by and found, oh, somebody's actually been keeping this up. And he got mentored through that. And so he was, that was my my second character. Mm. But um, generally what I try and do is go, here's like a class I want to play, but how can I do it in a way that's narratively rewarding as opposed to just the numbers? So like Charlie, I love playing monks. And so for Charlie, I was like, well, I want to play a monk, but I want to avoid the sort of cliche oriental martial artist mm. sort of that, you know, very... And Hong Kong cinema, sort of. And also in the fluff of the world, I was basically like, anyone who's of that kind of class is most likely some kind of trained boxer as opposed to a Kung Fu-y type thing. Oh, I was like, oh, you know, I want him to be from Erhart and I wanted that, like, stand-up boxer, um, you know, gentleman boxer. Uh, Basically sort of inspired from... Uh, Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist. Mm. I'm re-watching that at the moment. (laughs) And Dudley from Street Fighter, that sort of, um, yeah, that sort of uh, concept. See, it's interesting to me because you're talking about Charlie being kind of quite experienced. Uh, Like, he's he's an older, refined character. Like, he's not old in in any sense. That was Clarence, yeah. yeah. Clarence and and then Charlie a little bit. Wadnezor was very much the opposite it was very much like go out and explore the world with with fresh new eyes like nezor had maybe been on the road a year and a half and a lot of that was um just getting out of the the routine in in the valen in mm. the first place mm. abella um, was kind of the same yeah. it was like with well for you it was, it was run like straight into immune. us I read an interesting thing on uh, Facebook the other day, which I shared with Josh, which was basically um, your first D&D character is an idealised version of yourself. And I was like... Short, drunk man, yep. Yeah. And I was like, which is interesting because Ryland was my first D&D character and (laughs) she's not what I would aspire to be at all. Like, me and Josh had this discussion. And, like, my second, like, real kind of fleshed out D&D character I played... Which happened um, about six months later. Which happened about six months later. Catalina Corvenheim is... Definitely, you know, an idealised version of myself, whereas Ryland isn't at all. And I think that's because when I was kind of just kind of come up with ideas initially, I had her in my head as male. Mm. And then Josh kind of referred to her as female. And it suddenly clicked in my head that I'd been thinking of Ryland as a male character. And I was like, no, wait, it would be way cooler if this was a kick-ass woman. And also then you don't have to do a male voice on a podcast, Mm. which is just going to suck for Because you'll destroy your throat like you do with Conan. That also makes way more sense for Nezel because it's just hanging out with the people you like, make cool shit, have cool fun, and then just live that way, which is way more like Mm. me than Short Drunk Man. Well, I think it's um, (laughs) – I don't know if it's necessarily some, like, subconscious desire – I think it's just it's a fun game to play. So you play mm. things that you'd want to do exactly, life. like running around, climbing on shit. I think like I it's think not shanking people. It's not the, like the three I'm of like... us do flout that a bit though, because we we role play, we play, we are actors. So like, not to say that you guys aren't, but um, like <clears throat> Angela, Karen, and I are practicing actors. Mm. Um, yeah, I so we boards in fucking years. This so. is it. Like I know I know uh, Tom has done some training. I don't think Tristan you've done high school training. No, but I have role played in yeah. D&D for But you've done role play, you've done D&D role play. Yeah. Um but the so but the, my my point is our first characters that we played in D&D, yes and no and maybe. Um Scan is superficially um 
I, I, I went by the moniker Josh the Pirate for years and years and years. Yes. Pirates <laughs> are my thing. Um, <clears throat> I still go by that moniker. Um, so Scan was always ever going to be a pirate. Um, and that was not, it wasn't the, the, the other option. I actually was more excited about the, the, the tiefling cleric. Um, but we went with Scan, and I don't regret the choice. In terms of building him, um, I usually start with a voice. Um, for for D and D, I start with the way they're going to sound, and then I figure out who the fuck they are after I've done that. Yeah, um, because it tends to <clears throat> with my with puppetry as well. When I put Yusuf on my hand, the very first time we acquired our little orange puppet, um, this voice just appears. Karen says to me, "What's his name?" And I was like, "Yusuf," and that was it. We knew exactly and then who he was. All the parents in the toy shop are like, "Who the fuck are these people?" <laughs> um, and then we bought him. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> for a Bella, um, I, I I didn't even think of it to be honest. Yeah, because yeah, this is the first like <laughs> your accent playing. for it is not what hers should be. <laughs> oh yeah, there was a conversation earlier about like I can't remember who said it. Someone was like getting shit for their accent. They were like, it was at least I try it probably. And they were like, Angela doesn't even try a French accent. I was like. You don't, you don't want, want me to try a French accent. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of feel I like I do, what, but I feel I like that to, needs to be like a special it's episode. It's not very good. This is the thing. It's just not very good. It's not like It's not even offensively bad. bad. I mean, it's not even offensively bad. It's just, right. I just, accents are something I have to work very hard to get. It's just not something that comes The French one isn't even particularly easy either. No. It like, like, it took like me like literally months of work to get like a decent yeah. US like, accent. Were you trying? Literally months. Okay. Like, all the people who like hear an accent and then they can replicate it, I'm always like, how? How do you do that? I can't not. Also, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you, Josh. I don't like, like I, don't, I get really irritating I if I hang mostly. around with some Scotsman. And oh, I, Jesus, I, yeah. <laughs> to, to clarify, Josh um, lived in Scotland for two months while he was in a pantomime and he would call me up. Um, to you know, let him let me know how he was just going. Incomprehensible. And it, and it would just Basically. be this thick Scottish brogue. Oh, hey, and I wasn't doing? doing it to take the piss. I couldn't not. I wasn't even aware I was doing I it. Actually, I understand end, where you're coming from. I have pretty much the same problem. And then we'd have like this phone conversation and obviously be listening to my Australian me. accent. And by the end, he would be back to Aussie. Mm. But like when we were like moving around England, we went to, you know, your old stomping ground in Somerset. You developed this, you know, West Country twang. It was hilarious. <laughs> it didn't, never got too bad. I was never I was never a bloody soda festival. But I was. Oh, no, no. But it, <laughs> the way you pronounce certain words changed. Old South Petherton. <laughs> <laughs> Still needs to be a thing. <laughs> so as an so in joke, uh, so you'll have to check out the... Uh, I think I got shown world. that bit. The <laughs> yes. under the lake. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but going back to the actual question, yeah, I, I love characters <clears throat> that are fighting their past, that something had happened in their past mm. that was out of their control has shaped their current existence. Um. And that was obviously a big part of Rowland's backstory was that something had happened that was beyond her control and she was still dealing with the fallout from it. <laughs> there was, uh, yeah, to, to go back to what I was saying about, like, I, I start with the voice, um, but uh, it's, I, I'm almost sort of, I, I, we, we actually did a session about this a little while ago at the end, at the end of what was functionally season one. Mm. Uh, when we all left Arim, we did have a chat about everybody and everybody, uh, I think there was a sort of a significant amount around the table of, I'm finding out all this stuff. I'm like, the character is growing as they come and things that they had learned about their characters. And I had to sit there in the corner thinking, what have I learned about Scan? Um, and I was like, turns out I knew exactly who Scan was from the get-go. Mm. I came in with a fairly good idea of who and what he was. Um, my big learning on it has been 
through his interactions with Charlie um, and pinning down exactly where his moral compass is and sits and why. Mm. Um, because Scarin has if morals. it even exists. Oh, it definitely. No, 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 this no, is no, the no, thing. No, it definitely I'm, exists, but it's it's incomprehensible to where well, he thinks of it as the Southerners just don't get it, um, and he views Southerners as incredibly hypocritical and sort of like, oh, murder's bad. Yet I have it's it's a it's an unusual week for Scan where he doesn't find murder happening in the South. It's not that it doesn't happen. They're just like, oh, it's really bad. Um, whereas where he comes from, it's a thing, but it's nowhere near. You see a man with a bloody axe and a body like, from it, like, and then he's like, "What of it?" This sort, this sort of thing in the north happens, but it's yeah. sort of, the the communities are so small that you murder somebody, you're going to start a clan war unless there is a very specific way you go about murdering a person. So it's very it's ritualized, I suppose, is the trick. And he's just sort of. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just flashing to like the argument for legalizing illegal drugs, so then you can you know. Legalized murder is what you're saying is no, I don't like you know, but like <laughs> ritualized. Uh, ritualized murder. Yeah. I made the observation about like uh, as actors we have already done ourselves. It's we we would have one of the first one of the first characters you ever create probably is you. Mm. Um, but my point is, Scan was the first D and D character I ever created, and whilst there is there are there are certain bits of him, there is always a bit of you in mm. your character. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And every every character I've played for any extended period of time, I have. Found that purse, that bit of me in them. In Scan, it is Scan's moral compass is what Josh's would be in this world. Mm. Um, he was just like, "Why are you all so weird about this? We're murderers, like don't, we're, we're we're criminals. I don't get what your problem is with this. Um, you signed up for this." See, whereas Charlie's. <laughs> says murder is bad and also doesn't kill people. Yeah, and, also and that's fine. And also gets upset when people are murdered. And that's, that's what's Rowan's interesting about it. not into murdering. She'll kill in an army situation for glory or profit. Sure. And this is and this is the thing that I really liked about the proposition because we talked about what character you would play after Clarence passed and I, we kind of played with the idea of Crom, which was the name of your orc, um, being involved. Mm. But when you when you pitched Charlie to me as a potential character, I really loved that because I was like, you're presenting to me effectively a paragon of goodness and law <laughs> in a party that is not, but also he's a really cool character. He's so I don't think Charlie is lawful. Charlie is good. Mm. Yeah. I don't buy into the sort of X and Y axis. Well, Charlie is a I wasn't good... necessarily talking about it as an alignment, but more yeah. just his attitudes toward things is like you do the right thing, you follow yeah, the rules. Yes. Yeah. But it's it's sort of it's a law of it's it's his own personal ethical Code. rule set very as opposed character, to yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, Nezel Nezel came from a place where there was very much the ethical and law was all tied into one. He's like, yeah, but a lot of that's dumb. Mm. So it, it it's like he he very much isn't lawful not because he's not good, not because he doesn't have a moral code or anything, it's just because that was all intertwined and so that's mm. not something he follows. And then interesting again is Ryland comes from a world where you can get away with stuff as long as you're rich enough and powerful enough to get away with it. Mm. Mm. These are and all the Scan, topical. And Skin gets away with shit because he was like, well, you want to get away with a crime that we just committed? You need to murder some cunt sometime. It's a shame. <laughs> just stab the witness. But, but the problem is if you want to get away with it, yeah, this does have to happen. Otherwise, it's going to have negative ramifications. And we started this think, knowing that some could happen. And he's just like, so, wait, you were okay with committing the crime, but now that we've been caught, you're okay with going to prison for it. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, thanks. I think Abella, because Abella fled her hometown Bella to a very such a specific... a background. <laughs> 
due to a very specific incident in which she was basically asked to like kill someone relatively innocent in cold blood and it's like that was the hard line and there was some other stuff as well but like she that was a big one and I think when she fled she was probably thinking like I hope this isn't just the world and everyone (laughs) so far has surpassed that expectation like that's the one like hard line and everything else is a pleasant surprise. Yeah. So it's like, while there's some grey spots, it's just like, you know, it, as long as they're not innocent and it it's not feels cold like blood, that, you're good. It feels you're like good. That, that, that situation feels, feels a little bit like um, when we when we're, we get to a ream and, mm. um, and what's-his-face tells us to uh, rig the fight. And we're like, no, no, I don't think you understand. It's not that we don't want to do it. We literally have no idea how. Yeah. And we're like, hey, go murder that person. I was like, I'm a thief. Uh, yeah, I was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm, an, I'm not an assassin. Wow, that went really from zero to 100. I, I am... <laughs> yeah. Hard pass on that. Like, not an assassin. I'm more of a... You'll see me coming and it'll scare the shit out of you. I'm more of an armed intruder. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I will bear down upon you on on horseback with an axe almost as big as I am. You will see me coming and you will quake. Well, I think that's probably answered your question in a lot of detail, Alana. I hope so, Alana. Thank you so much for that. Thanks for your question, Alana. I appreciate it. Um, We're going to go on to our next question now, which is from another person who I assume is from the US, uh, a person named Angelos. Um, So I'm just going to read. Hey, Angelos. Good name. Yeah. <laughs> Hi guys, uh, being a forever DM and being stuck in my apartment during the quarantine oh, has man. made me. Uh, uh, oh, that doesn't make sense. Buff. Has made me do. Sorry, not two. There's a sure. misprint there. Uh, has made me do a lot of prep work for my next campaign. I was supposed to start it just before shelter in place orders came through. Oh. During this time, I got into podcasts uh, heavily while I work and stumbled across your podcast. I quickly went through the entire show, so I'm up to date. It's yeah. really great quality. Uh, my question is this. What does it take to start a D&D podcast? Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, Matt, what does it take? <laughs> I'm thinking of running my game remotely and recording it so other people can listen like with yours. Mm-hmm. Do you have any hints of things I should do to make it as good as quality as you do? Um, well, I think don't get too drunk while you're playing. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one we learned early. I think, well, this one I think is mainly for Matt and Tom because it's mostly in the sound and the editing, which is all you guys. Uh, Yeah. As long as it's a good. The the big piece of advice I would give that isn't tech related is remember that this is a story to be listened to, not a, and this is something that we all had to, well, I say, I, we, I certainly had to get my head around. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it was something Matt had obviously sort of gotten into his mind quite early. But even, but even so, like, there is, you, there is a thing of going, intellectually, I know that I need to do this, but there's very differently to running something mm-hmm. like that. And having a character that, Works for um, it works for a beer and pretzels around the table game, mm. and a character that works for a uh, this has to be entertaining just to listen to, um, which we is, hope is, we do. Well, this is it. Yeah. Um, but like that, that's what we're all, certainly all aiming to do. But it's, it's something you do have to do deliberately. Mm. Uh, there is a, a a balance that you need the balance between um, front story characters and backstory characters. Um, and we've got a decent one of that where mm-hmm. some some of the characters are very much just there to make the other characters like work better front story characters I would Klaus Nezor as a front story character mm-hmm. um he, he like we haven't really gone into his backstory at all he is there as a support 
uh, he he's like it's not that he doesn't have a he doesn't feature in the story. Yeah, it's that he he is there for everybody else's story at the moment. Yeah. I've joked with Tristan about this. Nezor's basically Team Mum, a really depressive yeah. Team yeah. Mum. Oh, yeah. that's adorable. <laughs> it is someone, very much. Someone draw a cartoon of Nezor like holding like a bottle and a crying baby under one arm. Just but like, that baby is Charlie. Yes, with the moustache and everything. Make um, make but, a picture but, where Nezor is as big as Charlie and Charlie's as big as Nezor while we're on the show. It's right now. Yeah. To, to go on from what Josh is saying um, and then to answer the, the technical side of stuff, uh, it comes down to content first. We, we managed to make it sound so good because I have thousands of dollars worth of equipment, but you don't need that to make something. Mm. If you've got Discord and you've got a mic to plug into Discord, you can record from that. Yeah. You and your friends can record all separately, or you can record straight from Discord and clean it up a bit um, with some really basic free tools. YouTube's amazing for like, hey, this is how you make things not suck. Yeah, mm. li- literally learn what an EQ is and high pass under 100 and everything will sound 10 times better. Um, I swear you didn't use real words. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's kind of cool, I was like, I understood most of those yes, yeah, yes. Um, yeah. if you've got a, enough to yeah to play on discord you've got enough to record with anything after that isn't important until right. you've though, started though making as, content though as someone who like doesn't know much about sound recording i'm just like do not underestimate the advantage of padding around you like drape mm. some blankets over like some chairs put them around you like if you yeah. can make yourself a blanket fort to record in the difference in sound quality is incredible like when i've yeah. like recorded little voiceover bits for other projects i've literally pulled my blankets over my head and done it in my bed yeah. because it's a, it's a temporary sound booth and it makes such a difference and like th- like that stand is... in the room close your eyes and see if you can hear humming do your speakers hum? Does your fridge hum? Mm. Do you have like a light that makes a noise? Turn all that shit off. It, it makes the difference. <laughs> you can find. You can. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Are your pets chewing on something under the table? Maybe make them stop. If you look on, I think it's on our Twitter. There's a an, a photo of the room that we in which we record when we're all together. Um, we record in my dining room, mm. but. Uh, there is a high ceiling that I have rigged beams over. Um, so I, I'm a carpenter and I built beams specifically the width of the room that I then shortened because they'd swollen in, in the rain and they no longer fit right. But um, you can run blankets over the top of that that drops the ceiling and also eat sound. Fabric is really good for that. So Thicker fabric better, but yeah. Thicker fabric. Um, uh, the other thing that we did when we were when we were in lockdown in the short period that we were, re- relatively short period we were in lockdown, I built for Karen, because Karen had particular issues with her sound, mm. we built. I built a padded, sort of a French screen style, the folding screen, and we we it's built really a quilted cool. one of them. It's a really pretty, and it's also works. You sort of can put it around somebody, hang a towel over the top, and you got yourself an impromptu sound booth. Mm. Yeah. And that is far more important than a six hundred dollar microphone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You uh, can get really good results with shitty mics if you yeah. create a. Uh, there is it. there is also the fact that like most people when they f- listen to the first episode expect a certain level of amateurness. If it's your mm-hmm. first thing time doing a thing and you're putting it out there, like you don't have to be an amateur. Do the best you can, but like being don't, being able to forgive yourself for technical don't not stuff, do it because you don't yeah, have the exactly. best equipment. Though so that be- leads on to my biggest advice for anyone making content: 
make two episodes first that you know you're going to throw away. Yeah. They, are, they are practice episodes for you to sort out yeah. your, if you're doing video stuff, your, your video settings, your lighting for audio stuff, where you're putting all your microphones. Strongly agree it, with It'll that. Strongly give you a chance agree. to listen back and then figure out what the problems are and how to fix them before you really get going. And also session zeros. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to be playing a D&D game, play a couple of session zeros with the mics and everything turned on and, and cut it and do everything and, as you say, then throw the fucker away. Especially if you have... <laughs> Um, the backstory. People, like players who aren't, you know, actors or improvers or um, if you have new players or people who haven't been playing for 15 yeah. years, like it, we're all fairly professional-ish. <laughs> yeah. In terms of like where we yeah. come we're on. We're all kind of professionals Different here. levels. Um, but it still took us oh, like a, a little while to, I think, mesh in terms of like acting styles, playing styles, character work. Going through that stuff can really help. I, I know for a fact that me running a di- uh, running a campaign that is intended as a sum- something for someone else who's not in the room to listen to is tricky because you need to change the way that you use language slightly. You need to be almost uh, – and, and, and this is a – consistent and ongoing issue but like having people talk over each other or doing the normal things that you do when you speak in a game in a regular game like Mm. if someone says while they're doing that i'm gonna do this that's fine because that's just you interrupting um dm to state uh, while that's happening i'm doing a thing but when it comes to post-production on that you then now have to go right okay i was halfway through answering a question and i've been interrupted so i'm gonna cut that question that point out Mm -hmm. and i didn't actually answer the rest of that question until about 15 minutes later and i now have to rework that it is time consuming when you don't have pretty much strong table discipline Mm -hmm. um that being said you also don't get too drunk. <laughs> uh, uh, no, yeah. Um, I don't emphasize that enough. Yeah. I, I know for a fact that I, uh, for the first couple of episodes we we did, I wanted it to be fun and I wanted it to feel like it was when we were at the table. And so, you know, alcohol being freely available was, you know, something we did. Um, I, I would well, not. I, I couldn't drive at the time, so that made that really easy. I think. Yeah. I think that was. Um, not a bad place to start from in terms of getting everyone warmed up to each other, though. Like, yeah. I think that was a good, fun way to start it. We can play sober now. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you're playing with people who've played games like this before, I probably wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Like, true. Um, the other thing was also, like, I, taking the time to cast and, like, having... I have an outline of the story buried somewhere in my laptop uh, that basically goes, this is everything's going to happen from the start to the end. And basically setting yourself, because this is something I didn't do and I would recommend this strongly, is having a trajectory in mind in terms of like how long sections of stuff will take uh, if you're if you're planning to do something like within a, a particular period of time is really important. Basically planning your sessions so that you uh, can treat it in, in terms of real real world time is really important because... Uh, I like to play a lot more loose. I like to let people do things and things having uh, happen organically. That process is probably not the best process for doing something like this. But um, being able to then go back to your notes and go, okay, well, this is no longer relevant. That's no longer relevant. And we can move this a bit earlier, et cetera, et cetera. I would say is actually a super useful thing to be able to do. So finding a way that you can manage your notes in a way that works with like the way a TV show or a, a serial podcast, funnily enough, would work is super useful. I now basically write a treatment of the session of the session that comes up as well as a treatment of the session that went past just for my personal reference so that I can then manage what I can in the recording. Mm. 
Um, doesn't always work because <clears throat> players will always throw you curveballs. <laughs> if like I've never DM'd, but if I've learned anything from playing D and D over the last few years, because I don't know if that's ever come up. I never played D and D before this. Yeah, I was most like, people here so, didn't either. Yeah, and neither uh, had Angela in it. Yeah, we were yeah. we were just talented people. We were the actors that you brought we were in the who actors. hadn't played. Oh, <laughs> um, the, the, to be honest, you're the friends that I wanted to play D and D. He says nice things to us sometimes. Well, you um, do too. So. Nice lies. <laughs> Oh, harsh. I, but I was just like, uh, well, I was yeah, just you're like, here too. Yeah. I, I've never, I've never DM'd. Um, I don't think I want to. But if I've learned anything from you know observing it, I'm just like, prepare for everything, but you will not prepare for everything. Yeah. Have options, but you'll you you it'll go somewhere. Really structured improv. To, yeah, like I made, point. yeah, I made Josh improvise a whole kind of um, smuggler's den because yeah. my character had a, this is my other D and D campaign. My character had a trait that I always know where the local underlord the underworld is, and I'm like, I'm going to the underworld. And Josh over there was like, was like, oh, that's fuck, that's a valid. <laughs> Thing that you could definitely do. Okay. So I improved functionally Jabba's palace because she was like, I'm going to find the local mob boss. But the local mob boss in a town of a, like a little village of like 2,000 people. And I was just like, So it's just the mayor's back room. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, no, I gave him a full Jabba's palace. She went and saw Big Dave. <laughs> and Big Dave was oh, Big Dave. Why is it always Dave? Big, um, Big Dave is actually Big. Big, Dave. Big I, I went. He's a halfling. This was everybody thought so. Everyone was like, "It's going to be a halfling." I was like, "No, it's a fucking human. He's just enormous. He's really fat." Okay, leave me alone. It's like Little John. Um, no, Big Dave is actually an ogre uh, from my one of my Warhammer armies. He's sorry, he's a giant. Um, Big Dave, the bosun's mate is my my ogre army's giant. Um, but, yeah, there was a dragonborn in green armour coming up the stairs, um, sort of very Boba Fett uh, yeah. was what we were going for. And, yeah, I basically I just, I'd said it's, I, I didn't mention Jabba's palace, but I was very specifically riffing on Jabba's palace. Yeah, the thing is, like, still from the best was, is also another Yeah, thing. Was there a salacious crumb? No. No, but there was a dancing girl. Um, that's the least in entertaining part. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry I like salacious crumb. You know, the little you know, thing 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 thing. no, 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 that was added later. We ignore that. No, uh, no, oh, salacious crumb was Kowaki and Spider Monkey was there from the beginning. Did yeah. they change him in the updated version? They may have added more of him, but yeah, he was always there. Okay. Um, oh, oh my god! Someone on Twitter was like, "Oh my god! I just found an original VHS of Star Wars," and took, I was like, took me <gasps> mad. I was just like, "Send me your address so I can come and rob you." Oh, I, Dad's got one around yeah. if you want it. I don't want to rob um, your father. He's like, like I know them. It's not a rob. It was, just, <laughs> That's was, the point. He wants you to give it. He wants no, to I'm give like, it away. Rip it to the specifically wants to break and enter. People okay. will pay a lot of money to get a copy of the unedited original Star Wars without stuff. Hayden fucking Christensen in it. Um, oh, they so, changed uh, a lot before that. To, uh, to, oh yeah. But uh, sorry to go back to the, the 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 answering the question before before we turn it over and do something else. Um, I have. Two other sort of little nitty bitty. It's more sort of story ones. Totally be prepared to kill your babies. Yes. Um, the thing that you love the most might well be the thing that is completely irrelevant, and you should probably leave. Even yeah, if no. it's great, you can keep the recording of it separately and play it whenever you need picking up on how clever you are. But if it's not relevant to the story, cut that fucker out. So we have one last question for this little section here. Uh, I'll quickly read it, and we'll get the answer. So uh, this is from Josie, who is from New South Wales. So oh, hey, other side. Hey, how you he doing? knows where her ewes belong. Good on um, you. <laughs> 
Hi guys, found your podcast on iTunes and immediately fell in love with the characters and the story. My question is this, was Clarence dying something that was scripted <laughs> how much of the podcast is edited? No, we just suck. <laughs> we suck. I mean, I was trying to get someone killed. I wasn't sure who. Mm. Probably me, to be honest. It's really surprising it wasn't. I, I think it I was remember. a happy accident. I think we let Tristan <laughs> answer this. It kind of, it, yeah. It, it, we, I, I think I remember saying, uh, is that allowed to happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were yeah. quite distraught, actually. We were all a bit like... I cried a bit, yeah. So, Tristan? So, no, Clarence wasn't uh, intentionally killed. That wasn't scripted. Um, It was, you know, I... After the fact, we, myself and Matt, sort of come to the conclusion that it's probably a good thing in the sense that it's... He plays the mentor role, the, like... It's a very Ben Kenobi moment. Yeah, it's this whole thing of, like, you can't just go around making stupid decisions, you know, starting fight, all this stuff. You've got to play this safely. And then he dies, and so then they get to see the consequences of acting rash. And we learn from those, right? (laughs) I love that you didn't look at me for that. Thank you. (laughs) Um... Scan did not learn from that. No, none of us learned from anything. Scan doesn't learn lessons. Mm. As far as Scan is concerned, he made the right choice. He, he stands by it to this day. <laughs> it was... Scan in the first few episodes was giving away his and everyone else's full name to anybody who confronted <laughs> us as if that was a completely normal... Or ex- so no, then no, it's no, like, I'm Scan Buttons. Yeah. This is my friend's ability. This was, yeah. yeah it's like, and this is Charlie Roughhouse. He's like, a great dude. He likes to punch things. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, we really like, really everybody fucking knew Charlie. Thank you. 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 Thank um, but we did get to say shut up, dead Clarence for like no. two recordings. Yeah. Pretty fun. <laughs> and and, and I think, yes. <laughs> to, to, to Tristan's point, like I think I, I definitely agree uh, with what we agreed, which was, yeah, look, it was really sad and it's unfortunate the character died. I don't like killing characters, although, you know, I, as I get further along in my own journey with being a DM and a storyteller, et cetera, et cetera, I am becoming more and more. Uh, ready to kill them. That's well, good. I, I, had mean, a D- I had a DM once who only wanted to kill us. Her whole goal was to just run the campaign I, I and wanna, kill the people. I'm I like, want to tell a good story. Bad. I don't want to beat you. Yeah, the amount of effort we went, like, there was also yeah. sort of like, oh, shit, we all were like, oh, God, um, Scan actually tried to save Charlie as well. Didn't manage Clarence. it, but he did. Uh, yeah, because I failed on my first roll, so I'd gotten two death savings right there. And then they're like, oh, is there something I can do? I'm like, yeah, someone can make a medicine check. Yeah. The skin comes over, makes a medicine check, fails, and then my next roll was... I also didn't use bardic inspiration, which you could have used on saving throws because I just didn't know what to think. All learning... It was the only character that we could have killed that really would have worked. It, yeah, yeah. It also demonstrates which is probably some why the they're asking the question because yeah. it seemed it felt like so such a story based. Yeah. No, it was just. A, I'm not going to say happy accident because that feels inappropriate. I said that it was conv- a convenient thing to happen mm. that puts some gravity to yeah. the yeah. the consequences of the world. Um, and an answer to the second half of the question, which is how much of the podcast is edited? Um, I would say quite a bit, but yeah. but it is not. 
I don't edit it to edit out stuff. I edit it to get rid of side <laughs> comment, like table talk, um, inappropriate, super inappropriate jokes. So yeah. many inappropriate um, jokes. And to also make it listenable within a time period because you don't really need to know about like a, like an interaction with an NPC to buy something is not necessarily great audio to listen yeah. to. We so also had a whole bit with like with the second city we got to where like Ryland and I went to a bathhouse and that was like 20 minutes and that whole thing was cut out. And after I was like, you know what? Fair enough. Because it was fun for us to role play. Oh, but yeah. I introduced a lovely young lady called really Tiffany. Scan was there too, Tiffany. yeah. Oh, I forgot Scan was there. I, I think Tiffany. Scan may have gone the second day. Yeah, yeah Scan was like, oh, I'll like, go to oh, that bathhouse. And I was like, ask for Tiffany. And there was a rosy girl as well that was keen on Nezor, but we never really went into girl, that yeah. as well. No, um, I think it got We got a little covered. bit. It but got not, covered. Not as yeah. much of it possibly as we played. I, and this sort of also goes to the previous question as well, and seeing these these may well be um, put in at the same time, how does make good story game? Um, mm. Editing is obviously in that a very key part, and it's, like I said, kill your babies. Yes, it was fun at the time, but you don't need it it's in the, the story. It's, it's the process, and the thing is, like, I want to make sure that my sessions at the table are fun in a Dungeons and Dragons kind of context, but when I'm creating the podcast or editing the the, the rushes, the raw material, I'm treating it like I would treat a film. Yeah. Like making mm. sure that you get the the information that is relevant, that is exciting, that is funny. Um, like I've I've left side things that were not scripted in just so that you guys could get a chuckle. Yeah, there is some definitely still some funny stuff in there, yeah. but and, and nowhere you, near as much. I bet you cut out a lot of the pets doing something and us all being distracted. Uh, yeah, we have we uh, when we were everything that's out in the ether at the moment. There was a dog and two rabbits around yeah. for. Yeah, um, and they would occasionally do things, and we just uh, distractions. The table basically go on the floor. That's yeah. pretty much it. Um, we do have a we do have something that we're kind of working on at the moment, which is effectively a collection of all the so too hot for TV almost. Um, uh, hopefully that answers your. <laughs> question Josie thank you so much for writing and thank you everyone who sent in a question yeah uh, yeah send us more questions <clears throat> I'd love to hear more of them we'll probably do get it. more mail back I really like soon. talking about myself <laughs> yes, so, yes oh my god you're actor. a performer and you like talking about yourself wow <laughs> anyway, I'm so original I think we should That's say goodbye I'd love to talk about in fact okay bye <laughs> whatever <laughs> okay thank you so much for listening guys catch you later bye bye, bye. thank you for listening to this episode of There Be Dragons I am your Dungeon Master Matthew, and Abella de Rosier was played by Angela Lita Kay. Charlie Roughhouse was played by Tristan Douse. Nezor Valgoulis, the Bard, and our sound recordist was played by Tom Moore. Scan Felspar is played by Joshua Walker. And Ryland Westfall is played by Karen Schlink. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, check out our website at therebedragonscast.com. Or you can check us out on Podbean at therebedragons.podbean.com. We also have a Twitter at TBDragonsCast where you can tweet at us and talk about the show using the hashtag ThereBeDragons. ThereBeDragons is edited and produced by Matthew Buss and sound post produced by Tom Moore. ThereBeDragons' original score and soundtrack is composed and produced by Sean Tanian. You can see more of his work at seantanianmusic.com. There Be Dragons Art is produced by Brianna Manning. You can find more of her work at brepi.com. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>